From HR Wins, I'm George LaRock. Welcome to the HR Market Watch Future Work Podcast. Performance management. Just saying that phrase sounds old and outdated. I mean, that harkens back to top-down or command and control management styles. Performance management sounds like something that happens to you, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. I mean, it certainly does not sound like a collaborative process. And you know why? Because it isn't. It's about the company recording your contribution and your manager grading it. Now, I'll give you that your manager may ask you to write your own performance review, but that's about as collaborative as it gets in most environments. Um, we've been talking about performance management changing for a really long time. If you've been anywhere around the HR tech circles, you know, performance management, it was, you know, ripe for disruption and, you know, what is it? Feedback is the next killer app. That's, that's, that's old news now, but why are we still talking about it? Well, let's get some context around this. I think we've been confused in the conversation. We've been talking about the frequency, um, you know, of, of the performance conversation. Is it ad hoc feedback? Is it quarterly reviews? And we've been confusing that with the process. And you know what? There was a massive shift in process. So, but, you know, over the last decade, we moved like wholesale away from stacked rankings, which was a good thing. I mean, that was a process that came out of like World War II days, was adopted en masse by U.S. businesses, and then GE refined it and innovated into this hypo, you know, identifying high performers and the top five or 10% would be identified for advancement or uh, bonus compensation and the bottom 10%, let's just say you don't want to be in the bottom 10%. And so, you know, everybody followed GE when they implemented it. And then guess what? Everybody followed GE when they ran away from it in the last few years. Companies like Deloitte, PwC, Adobe, Kelly, Microsoft, IBM, Gap, KPMG, and the list goes on and on and on. So moving away, from from stack rankings was a big thing that happened uh, and it was good for employees and it was a massive shift but we're still left with this you know question which is what frequency is right for me and my business and how do we have this conversation the frequency thing i think you as a management team can identify based on your you can do it departmentally but as a as a business you look at your business cycles and you look at your culture and you look at what makes sense for your employees is is it ad hoc feedback is it uh is it you know monthly quarterly semi-annually what what works, right? For and, and only you can answer that because none of this is one size fits all. And there are a dearth of tools that can support any of those frequencies and roll data up for you. Now, you've got to keep things in mind like compensation um, and other processes that hang off of performance management and use that data. Um, and you need to have an answer for employees about those changes and, and how you're going to adapt and, and, and change other things that that are tied to uh, to the what used to be annual processes, um, but but that's more of a process driven conversation. That's actually pretty straightforward. Um, the bigger conversation is about how to have those conversations, right? So um, the the more challenging conversation is how do we get managers to have better conversations with employees 
more frequently? And is there a place for technology to help with that? And is there a place for data to inform those conversations? And is that something that in the world of HR technology, we have a solution for that really works? It's a real question. I'm, I'm optimistic about it, but it's something that I think we're still figuring out, which is why I'm really excited for our guest today. I'm excited to have the guest on this podcast. It's Arnie Van Dam. He's the founder and COO of a company called Intuo. Uh, Intuo wants to help people to be truly happy at their job and let organizations succeed by enabling a stronger coaching culture. So they're headquartered in Belgium and they provide a cloud-based tool for employee feedback, coaching, and onboarding. And I'm excited for this uh, next guest, Arnie. Welcome. Hi. Hi, George. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, is there anything about Intuo or about you uh, that you'd like to add before we dig into the topic a little bit? Well, let, let me just uh, explain you a little of uh, who I am. Probably that's, that's easy to uh, cool. you know, put all this in perspective. So um, I'm actually a computer scientist by education. And then I worked at uh, KPMG as a financial consultant, which was, which was something completely different. But then, you know, you're young, you're ambitious, you, you, you want to have a career. And over there, I actually stumbled across the, let's say, yearly performance review. And I felt very, I felt treated very unfairly, if you know what I mean. You know, I only got four out of five, which is actually pretty good. But then there was this colleague of mine who who'd gotten a five because, um, you know, they had to rank us, so they had to pick someone that was a five, and I felt treated unfairly. So, so, so that was for me, um, let's say, an incentive to start looking for something else. And then I bumped into these guys. Uh, it were actually three guys that already founded Intuo that wanted to, uh, that had this this great mission. You know, they wanted to engage people at work. You know, help them grow their careers. And um, we instantly clicked. And actually, a couple of months later, I joined them. Um, and at the time they were, uh, only a learning management system, but then, you know, as it goes with startups, we pivoted towards performance management, coaching to really, you know, work on that vision because the vision was already there. Cool. Cool. That's a, I, I love hearing how things started and how things came together. Um, that, that's a great overview on, on, in, on, on you and Intuo and the start there, but what, what are some of the things you're seeing that are um, creating the opportunity for Intuo? So what, how do you guys see the, the, you know, what are the, I don't know if it's changes in the market or trends or what, what's happening out there that creates the, the need for something different? Yeah, sure. Well, well, I think there's actually the, you know, the gap that we're solving or the, or the need in the market that's, that's, you know, that's right there. Um, there's, two directions that, that um, it's being pulled uh, on, you know? So first of all, you've got this uh, quite young, new workforce, uh, such as myself, to be honest, um, that have grown up with mobile phones, with, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that, all that good stuff. Yep. And, and what they've learned is that everything needs to be instant. You know, you've got this great talk um, about, uh, from Simon Sinek about why millennials you know, reason uh, slightly differently than the rest of us, you know, and, and um, it's all about, for me, it's all about being instant and they expect their workplace to be instant as well. 
So if you just expect a millennial to be patient for four to five years until they get their first promotion, until they probably get their first feedback, or even a year before they get their first feedback, that doesn't work anymore. People are impatient in that sense that they want to continuously be stimulated. That's just the way they've grown up with all these digital tools. You know? So that's, that's like the one side they're pulling it from. And then there's the other side, which is basically the business side of it. And that's that most businesses right now are looking for more agility. You know, most businesses are building a digital branch or side to their business. And in digital, you've got the opportunity to immediately collect customer feedback. You know, so you don't have to wait a couple of years to change your business model or to start applying a lot of changes. So what we see is that the world that was envisioned by the first people that created companies, you know, that was very deterministic. We have these big machines and they create these, you know, big products or big bunch of products and everybody's got their fixed function, their fixed role, and nothing's going to change the coming 10 years. That just doesn't work anymore in today's environment, you know, because people want more, you know, variation. They want more inputs and businesses need more variation and they need more change. So I think it's this big request from all sides about, you know, more intermediate steps, more um, feedback, more agility that brings us to the point where we can challenge the existing HR processes and, uh, you know, change them into something more agile and relevant. Right, right. Yeah, the, you know, the, the big move um, in performance that we're, we're really, uh, it's been widely adopted. The first big change was companies used to stack rank, rank employees in the way that you mentioned, right? You had to have your high performers and you were into this forced ranking. Most companies have moved away from that, that ranking um, side, but the thing they're still struggling with because while it's um, it's true that nothing in the business happens, you can't wait a year to do anything in your business or to look at anything. So why would you wait a year to have a, a feedback conversation? Um, you need to be, um, you know, uh, much more agile than that. Uh, but at the same time, this annual thing is ingrained in a lot of um, process or compensation and other things, so there's there's also this anxiety uh, to move to move to this process that everybody agrees you know it, it needs to happen, um, and uh, so, and it's and largely you know the surveys that I've done show that uh, we're still looking at uh, you know over forty percent, like close to half of employers that are still moving. They're, they're somewhere in their journey um, to moving to a more live sort of ongoing feedback process. And in our last conversation, you uh, part of that anxiety probably has to do with the conversations themselves. In our last conversation, you mentioned, uh, you talked a lot about empowering managers as we were getting ready for this podcast. And I'd like you to touch on that. What's, what's, you know, what's the key? You know, why is that so important? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, you know, the manager is really the key. What you want to do with your, let's say, new performance management system is you want to teach your manager or you want to offer them, you know, the tools and the systems and the skills basically to take it over. You know, it's not HR anymore that, again, lives in that deterministic world and decides on what functions should have what competencies. It's the manager that's in touch with the customers and the employees themselves that are in touch with the customers that should decide on more frequent points in time, like what's most valuable for us to do right now. 
And, and basically, you know, you can compare it with what happened in the software development world in, um, you know, early 2000s. And, and, and that's Scrum, basically. So, so development, software development used to be very, you know, uh, one-off. That's right. the way they used to think about it, you know, because all the other projects were one-off. Um, and, then, and then they envisioned the end product. And, and the end product they had in mind, they just spent a lot of time defining like, what all the features should look like. And then they spent a year, maybe two years developing that product and voila, there it was, you know, you had your end product. And actually we're still thinking in the same way about careers because we're still thinking about careers as where do you want to be 10 years from now? Where do you want to be five years from now? You know what? I'll do you even better. I will decide for you if you stay here for 10 years, where you will end up. If I, when I started at KPMG, and I don't want to you know, <laughs> trash talk for KPMG because I learned a whole lot there and there were a lot of nice and smart people there, but they have, they have this very you know, classical career system. And right. uh, if you start there, you know you're going to be a manager six years down the line. You know? But who knows what's going to happen six years down the line? And we were even talking about what kind of special, uh, specialty I would have as a manager six years down the line. And, and you know, th that's exactly how they thought um, in software development. But then they changed, you know, they changed from, in, you know, people need certainty around their careers, around what they have to build um, uh, for, you know, for the software projects. So it, they shifted the certainty from the outcome, you know, defining all the features to the process. And what they said is let's work in sprints, you know, one week sprints where we're gonna commit to finishing this small subset of all the ideas we have, the small subset of features, and let's commit that we can finish them by the end of this week. That's what we're gonna to commit to each other. We have this whole process with artifacts, with meetings, you know, with different roles. And basically, we should look at careers the same way. Instead of defining what exactly you're gonna be five years down the line and what competencies you'll need to develop, we should think about what can we commit, you know, you as a person yourself, as a career owner, so to say, and me as a manager, what can we commit that we will, you know, add to your skills in the next three months? Obviously, a week would be way too short in this context, but <laughs> we commit quarter by quarter, for example, you know, depending on how fast your business is going, um, what we're going to develop, you know, in your skill set. And you have a vision around someone's career that can change, you know, and you work towards that vision. But depending on, you know, what the uh, priorities are, on, you know, the person that has changed, on, you know, whatever, you should create a very certain process that enables you to commit that, you know, that, to commit that increase in, in skills. And it's that kind of shift that we need to teach the managers. Sure, there needs to be certainty, but it needs to come from your process. And to conclude, I'd like to say that if as a manager in these very uncertain times, because, you know, there is a lot of choice and everybody wants to do everything. If I talk to any of my friends, they all want to make a big trip. They want a happy you know, life with their spouse or their girlfriend or their boyfriend. They want to have a great career. So they want, everybody wants to have everything. So, so there's a lot of choices to be made, I think, more than before. So there's a lot of uncertainty. So if you as a manager can succeed to create that certainty for someone. And you say, look, I don't know where we're gonna end up in four years, but I can promise you every quarter, I can commit to increasing your skills because I have this process. Then you have a team that's gonna be loyal to you for a very long time. 
Okay. So I, 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 I'm on board with the fact that, you know, the process needs to, needs to change and it needs to be more frequent. Um, quarterly is, is, uh, is a great step um, in, that, in that direction. Um, but, you know, managers, uh, most people, you know, aren't good managers. Uh, so having that conversation uh, is, is um, you know, and, and, and just push, you know, letting it go into the organization can be, um, that can sound scary for a lot of folks who, who realize that about management skills. So how do you, how do you do that uh, and, uh, and, and not just empower the managers with process, but empower them to improve in, ha- in having those conversations? Well, actually, um, Google did a research project called Oxygen. You've probably heard of it. Sure, sure. And um, they wanted to you know, find out what makes a good manager, right? And what they found was that one of the most important things, if not the most important thing for a person to become a good manager is actually the fact that they want to be a manager, you know, and not just the title, but they want the job, you know, to coach people, to support people. So I think, you know, that's, that's a very important element. It's, it's, it's about motivation. But then when we talk, when we talk about the change, you know, imagine that um, you want to change to uh, a company that, you know, could respond quicker to, uh, outside threats could be a little more agile and you want your performance uh, process to not only be uh, supportive in that sense, but also drive that um, search for agility. What you want to do is you don't want to scare people off straight away. So we've done that before, you know, in our implementation tracks and we've done the whole lot by now. And um, what we've seen is that if you cannot make it relevant for managers right now, they will get scared and they won't understand what you're talking about because all of a sudden the definition of a manager shifts. I have to coach, I have to give feedback, I have to do all these things. And we see that it's actually the managers that want to go back to the yearly process. So usually when we end up in a company that's not ready for the entire agile thing, we just make the existing process lighter and we work with continuous pulses, for example, uh, training, um, different way of thinking about projects, um, you know, all sorts of uh, change uh, related techniques you can think about and then gradually move towards that free format where you as a manager can decide together with your employee, look, I think for us it's best to have quarterly conversations with another one of my team members and maybe only have yearly conversations. So it's about making it relevant enough for them, but making sure that they know change is bound to happen. Okay. And is there any um, uh, content for the managers to, you know, help them have more effective conversations? Is that, is that something or how have you seen that play into it? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, well, we've seen that a couple of things actually help, right? So, First of all, I'm, I'm, again, I'm a software engineer by training, so I really love the whole, you know, the, the Scrum business and the agile project management right. all that. And, and if you start doing that in teams, then you see that automatically feedback becomes a ritual because it's so ingrained in that Scrum process that people start giving feedback already. Uh, it, will, it will maybe be job-related and not personality-related or not really, you know, in-depth and, and with all the vulnerability that's really necessary for for really good feedback, for really intense feedback, but you see that they actually start doing it. So that's, so that's one thing that can actually help. Then the second thing that I saw does wonders is like 
if you, if you create a mutual language around giving feedback, having conversations, that kind of stuff. And a mutual language could be anything. I, I really love um, um, all of those, you know, strength surveys that are out there. You probably know a few, like the Gallup Strengths Finder is one, that, that really enable people to have that mutual language. Hmm. You also have the, for example, the insights personalities. Once you, once you launch those kind of things in a company, you, you immediately hear them talk, you're a yellow person, I'm a red person. That's why sometimes we don't really get along. And then feedback becomes easier, conversations become easier. So that's something that really helped. Um, another thing that I saw is that sometimes it's hard for managers to coach people towards a specific career goal without having that very concrete path there. It's hard to let go of that outcome. You know, they, mm. they have a hard time working with the process certainty I'm talking about. And what, we, what we've seen there or what we've done there even is we've helped them come up with a sort of a framework with personas, with uh, PepsiCo works with uh, experiences, for example, you know, that you can share. Um, there's a lot of stuff that companies are doing to inspire managers to see what kind of career tracks are possible within this company. So personas, experiences, that kind of stuff. And then obviously uh, the usual leadership training, um, reminding people that asking open-ended questions is the best step to get going uh, with a conversation. And obviously, I wouldn't work at a tool if that weren't uh, an argument. It's a tool to help remind you as a manager what you committed towards a specific person or towards HR, just right. you know, as a gentle reminder for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all so important. It's good to hear that because the, um, you know, so much of uh, the conversation in the market is, you know, chasing this, this change in performance or, or engagement. And it all happens between the manager and the employee. It's that, that is, you know, it's not, it's, it's not the survey. It's, it's not the, uh, uh, it's not publishing the values. I mean, th those things are important. You, you do those things, but um, where the impact happens is, uh, on the day-to-day -day ongoing conversations and feedback is a big part of it. So um, that, you know, that, that's why I was asking that I, because I, I think if you, know, you can have the process, but it's good to hear that there's a lot of effort going into the framing of, of the conversation for the, for the managers. Now, you know, so a question 180 degrees from that uh, <laughs> is around uh, data. So is, is yeah. there, um, you know, what's informing the process? Uh, is, is, there, is there any data that, that's driving this or, or how can data drive it? Well, I, first of all, I have to say that I don't think that data is unrelated to your previous question, you know, or your previous remark or okay. market piece. Because right now, a lot of the, um, uh, let's say, your personal engagement, your next career steps, um, whether you're coached properly or not, is actually dependent on your manager because you know that's basically your entrance into the company network. You know? Right, right. Uh, but by applying the right data and you know the Netflix-like algorithms, just suggesting another coach for a person, uh, suggesting a course that will be useful for that person's career, suggesting a new job to improve mobility, that kind of suggestion algorithms that are not entirely difficult. I mean, I probably couldn't write one of those, but I mean, they are out there. It's not science fiction is what I mean. Right. Um, they actually enable people further than the manager could, if you know what I'm saying. So even if your manager is not good, you could have a platform suggesting a career coach, which could be your HRBP or another senior person hmm. that can actually just help you along. And 
obviously that person wouldn't decide on your day-to-day -day priorities because that's the job of the manager, but they could help you find out how you can personally grow, what skills to develop, you know? So, so that's actually what data can do for the persons themselves. And then the other thing that I wanted to say about, you know, data in, in, in terms of, you know, talent management, performance management specifically, is that we're used to thinking about, you know, a system and a structure and to gather data to confirm or disconfirm that everybody's working in the system that we invented, you know, in our big ivory tower as a chart. <laughs> uh, but what we, what we want to do now is go from active data collection in HR to passive data collection. We want to offer people the right tools that they want to use, you know, um, that's what Apple experience is about partly. Um, and, and that we can extract the right data because they want to use those tools. So say that you have a coaching tool or say that you have a tool to, you know, do all your HR admin or whatever. It's not that we have to ask them, like, how was that guy's performance? How was that guy's, you know, uh, uh, admin experience? I don't know, uh, all that stuff. It's that it, we should be able, because we have the right tools that people like to use our tools, that we can um, extract the data from them using the tools and liking to use the tools. And we should okay. take conclusions based on that. You know, I don't know if it's entirely clear what I'm, what I'm getting at, but, but so it, we should go from active data collection to passive data collection because people like using the tools that they're offered. You know, that's basically what I'm saying. Right. So yeah, if you're getting more usage in these tools, then you, you're, you're capturing more data, whether it's behavioral or whether it's actual input from the, yeah, exactly. and, from and the employees. And HR should not invent reality. You know, that's the way our company should work. They should enable people to do their work and to make decisions in the front line and then find out what data pours out of all their work and see how can we make decisions? How can we help them? How can, you know, they consult us to make their work better, to make their life better. And that's actually the role that HR, you know, I think needs to, um, you know, uh, grab. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that's um, a conversation I've been having with uh, HR leaders uh, recently um, about, you know, where is all of this taking HR? And it, 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 it looks like that's one of the big changes and it's good news for the, for the profession and for the function, um, you know, being uh, more strategic and consultative around um, you know, putting more of these tools into the organization and then uh, guiding the managers um, as a business partner um, versus, you know, worrying about the transactions and the guidelines and the rules and the control of the process. Um, so I, I would agree with you. Whole, you know, I, I, I hope that that's that is where we're where we're headed. Um, does that kind of does this kind of shift? Um, you know, you're you're in uh, you're in Belgium. You're working globally. Do you see um, that shift happening globally, or are there changes in this chain, this shift in process, this transition? Um, you know, uh, across regions around the, around the globe. Well, um, uh, in, in my experience, I think HR tech right now is quite a big topic everywhere. The changing role of HR is a big topic everywhere. You know, this podcast kind of proves that as well, <laughs> the popularity of it. And, um, uh, but, but I think the biggest difference we've seen 
is um, the, the fact that a performance management and, and all you know, succession management, all the related um, processes used to be very instrumental, that was accepted by everybody. You know? That's just how a company works. But right now what we want to do is we want to offer them the tools or offer people the tools they like to work with and then subtract data from there and calculate who would be the best successor for that and maybe suggest that to that person, for example. That makes uh, for the fact that we want to you know, adapt to the local culture, if you know what I'm saying. So that, that, oh, okay. that, that increases the challenge uh, or the difficulty of the challenge, at least, to make sure that you can offer something that everybody likes to use. Because in, in one of the most important dimensions for us as a, you know, as, as a coaching tool to find out whether it's going to work or not is how big is the distance of power in a specific company. If they all look at the boss and they nod and they're very scared of the next thing they're going to say, which is something you see in the eastern part of the world a lot more than in the western part of the world. Uh, if I look at our customers, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> if I, don't I, have to them. I have to be careful. <laughs> but but I think that's a general trend that I see. Um, uh, but then but then giving feedback, uh, upward feedback specifically. Um, thinking about you know careers in a more volatile way, in a more let's say horizontal way instead of just going vertical, it's 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 a little uh, uh, different to implement it, you know, because because culturally there's more distance to power. They're used to you know um, a different way of working together with their leaders, basically. Interesting. So you so in a way you're saying that it can. Um uh, it can help with those those differences between regions, um, and as your if your company's global, um, it 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 allows um, it 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 sort of smooths out some of those rough edges or you know bumps around you know the cultural differences uh, if you're um, if you're implementing this kind of process or this kind of change. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is if your process is good and if it's, you know, let's say customizable enough manager by manager, you know, and they understand what, what needs to be done, it, it feels familiar to them, then you're supporting them no matter what culture they're in. So I feel it's, it's, a, it's a hard design challenge to make sure that it's customizable enough for each manager, but at the same time, they understand what you expect of them as HR. That's a very big engineering or design challenge. But if you're there, then definitely, yeah, then, then you can, you know, bridge those culture gaps. You can um, uh, make it a lot more valuable for each individual culture because they individually can adapt it to what they feel they need. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I could, uh, I could talk to you about this for, uh, for a long time. I could go all day on this topic <laughs> because it really gets to, you know, uh, some of the the, the, the core of how work is changing, um, uh, you know, the relationship between, uh, between the manager and the employee and the, and the expectations in both directions. So um, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to let you get your, some last words in. Uh, where can people find out more uh, about Intuo? And uh, is there anything that you'd like to share um, around, you know, the company? Where, where can they find you? Where can they, how can they learn more? Sure. So the, the, the website is Intuo, so that's I-N-T-U-O dot I-O. 
you know, IO stands for Indian Ocean. It's it's very popular with uh, with growing companies right now. Um, and then and then secondly, what I'd like to share right now is that actually I'm working on a book uh, around HR analytics. And instead of starting from the process or starting from the data you already have, I want to start from the questions. So I've gathered uh, up to 70 questions right now, but every day new people add new questions. Okay. And for each of the questions, for example, um, in what business unit will retention become an issue in the next year? This is a very specific example, but you know, uh, who are um, my high potentials? Those kind of questions, you know? Okay. And then I break down the question in terms of what's the business value? What kind of data could you use for this? What kind of even statistical technique or even machine learning technique could you use for this? And what are examples um, that people did in the past that actually worked or maybe providers, you know? And, and I want to invite people to, you know, um, add me on LinkedIn if they want to, you know, cooperate with this project or if they have ideas, if they've done a, a project themselves in terms of HR analytics, if they have a question that they need answered. And I really want to start the conversation with as much, as many people as possible and um, then potentially create a very big, you know, HR analytics uh, source of inspiration. Well, that's really cool. Uh, that's, uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back on just to talk about analytics at some point. That's a whole other topic to dive into. Um, and I'll provide links uh, if you want to, um, you know, send me whatever links you have to the, yeah. uh, the book or, you know, any of that process for contributing questions and, you know, your LinkedIn profile. I, I've got that. Um, that'll be on uh, HR Wins with the, with the podcast uh, as well as on the HR Happy Hour Network. So, um, Arnie, thanks for being here today. This was great. Um, and I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you, George, for having me. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. I'd also, once again, like to thank Arnie Van Dam from Intuo for his time and insights. That was great. Now, you can find Intuo at intuo.io if you want to check them out. And one more thing, if you're in HR or HR technology and you're doing something innovative or interesting, you'd like to talk about it, you'd like to be a guest here on the HR Market Watch Future Work Podcast, just shoot me an email at hrmw, that's hrm like market, w like watch, at hrwins.com, and we'll start the conversation there. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time.